news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this this day that you've given us, Lord, to be in your house together, Lord, to be among uh, among the brethren. God, we thank you for this, Lord. We thank you for this sweet time of worship. Um, God, we we thank you now as we uh, as we transition, Lord, into to hearing your word. Lord, please open our hearts, open our uh, open our ears, Lord. Um, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Um, God, cause us to to drink deep in your word, Lord. That that we may worship you with, with, with glad hearts, with joyful hearts, Lord. God, be with your servant now. Um, read as he, as he comes to preach your word, Lord. Uh, God, may your spirit rest upon him, and, and may you speak through him mightily, Lord, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jason. Well, today we celebrate the joy of Christ coming into the world. And I'd like to emphasize, we really do not celebrate a, a day or a holiday or December 25th or Christmas. I mean, our celebration is about Christ coming into the world. And I thought, what, what more beautiful word pictures could we have had this morning? Matt coming up here, uh, holding his little baby girl, um, Mark and Lindsay coming up here and holding this little baby. What I mean, what a what a word picture of just the reality of God becoming man, God being born of of a woman. I appreciate that so much. And man, Mark and Lindsay's story. Uh, I, man, I felt like I was so deeply ministered to. I could have just gone home after that. We could have just said Amen, closed the service, and 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 gone home. But uh, today we are going to talk about. Uh, the joy of Christ coming into the world. The best news in the world. The very best news the world has ever heard. The very best news you have ever heard. Is that Christ was born as a savior to you. You may think. Some may think. Well you know that sounds nice. Uh, but it doesn't really relate to the problems I'm facing. Or that may make me feel a little better this morning. For a little while. Uh, but then you know back. To reality, uh, back to the pain I feel uh, and the issues I struggle with daily. I couldn't wish you uh, to ignore that sort of thinking more uh, than I that I possibly. I just I just want you to ignore that thinking. No, that is not the way to think. This news is to affect you. Personally, uh, this news is to affect you at the level of your emotions. Uh, this news is to produce a joy in you that overwhelms the broken things in your life. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we're going to see how it can do that this morning. It is not going too far at all to say that Christ came for your joy, He died for your sins to give you peace with God, and he did this for your full and everlasting joy. The angel of the Lord said, I bring you good news of great joy. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. When I read that verse, my first thought is, 
What kind of God is this who wants to make people so deeply happy? What kind of God is this who would intend such good news for us to have such great joy? Surely, as much as anything, this shows us the goodness and the loving kindness, the the good intentions of our God toward each one of us. God's will is not for you to be morose and miserable. As Paul said, rejoice always, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm 511 says, Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 47.1, Go ahead and celebrate. Come on and clap your hands, everyone. Shout to God with the raucous sounds of joy. Psalm 100, shout to the Lord all the years. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. And my favorite, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, living in God's kingdom, if you want to reduce living in God's kingdom down to three things, it's a practical righteousness, Peace reigning in your heart and overflowing joy. Joy is one of those three main things. Um, But how can we rejoice? How can we rejoice? Our lives are are so imperfect. Uh, They're painful at times, so disappointing, uh, so hard. After treating patients for many years, a psychiatrist said, I have concluded that people are starved for happiness most of the time. And even as children of God, do we not struggle to have joy, at least in the measure that we read about in the scriptures? There's times, I'll be honest, I'll pick up my Bible and I'll read a verse uh, that says, shout for joy or sing for joy. And just reading that verse will make me realize how far from that my state of mind and heart is. And I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that's not where I'm at. I want to be there, I want to get there, but that's not where I'm at. And we realize that at times we just, we just don't have that fullness of joy. Peter talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. I want that. I want to live there. But at times we don't. So how, how do we get there? How do we live there? Well, the answer, surprising, it may be shocking to some of us, is in the birth of Christ. It is in the coming of Jesus into the world. And all that that means for us, all that that means for you, and all that that promises us, all that that promises you. The birth of Christ is such good news that it is able to produce great joy, even in this fallen broken world. And we were closing uh, our deacons and elders meetings several weeks ago with a time of prayer for, we were praying for various people in the church, and Luke uh, prayed for a couple, and, he, and this is what he prayed. He said, prayed that they would see that they have a hope so big that it overwhelms their despair. And I was, I was just deeply moved by that. It just, that phrase just hit me like a ton of bricks. A hope so big that it overcomes 
their despair. And we not only have a hope so big that overcomes despair, we have tied very much, very much tied in with that hope is that we have a joy so big that overwhelms everything else about life. And so this morning, uh, I invite you to, to, uh, to certainly sit there and listen to the, to the message, but I, I really invite you more than that to, to just to really set your heart with me this morning to, to pursue this joy in the Holy Spirit, this joy in the birth of Christ. I mean, let's, let's go get this. Let's, let's go, ha- go find out how to live in this. Well, Luke's gospel is a fantastic place to start to find joy. Uh, Luke makes sure that we know everything about the birth of Christ is surrounded by joy. And I think if you would just look for that theme in the first few chapters of the book of Luke, it would amaze you what a joyful, a joy-filled gospel this is. Uh, Everything about the birth of Christ is surrounded by joy, including the birth of John, who would prepare people's hearts for Christ. Luke 1.14, the angel told Zechariah, He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Luke one forty four. when the expectant mother of Jesus met the expectant mother of John, Elizabeth said, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So we've even got babies leaping for joy in the book of Luke. And at the birth of John, Luke says, all the neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Luke one forty seven. Mary the mother of Jesus said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She just overflowed with worship and joy to God for the honor of being the mother of Jesus. In Luke 2.10, which we've just read, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And the angel is basically saying the coming of Christ is sufficient to cancel your fears and give you great joy in, instead. Stop fearing, start rejoicing. And in Matthew 2.10, when the star directed the wise men uh, to the birthplace of Jesus, Matthew said they were overjoyed. The wise men, when they saw the star lead them to Jesus, the birthplace of Jesus, they were overjoyed. The ESV says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Several, uh, several other translations put it that same way. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I mean, it wasn't just joy. It's just, it's just not enough to say that they had joy. No, it's, it's that they, they had exceeding joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It was joy that was over the top, overflowing, boundless joy. So what, cause, what causes a person to have overflowing joy? And, and how, how can I have joy in this fallen world? It seems so elusive at times. Uh, you know, I thought if somebody wrote a book, How to Have Joy for Dummies, I'm, you know, I'm sure it would be a bestseller. I mean, sometimes we just, we just, you know, how do I get, how do I have this thing called joy? Well, the first the first key truth, and it is, this is so, so simple you can miss it, but Luke uh, very clearly exemplifies this, is that joy comes from joyful news. Joy comes from happy information. 
the angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. That's the way the NIV puts it. Other translations say, good news that will bring great, great joy. Or good news that will fill you with joy. Or good news of great joy. But the point is, great joy comes from great news. And the news, the information that was given to us that night by the angel is capable of producing great joy for you. Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, he said, the, the gospel is above all things intended to promote and will abundantly create the greatest possible joy in the human heart. So what is it about this news of Christ's birth is so great that it causes great joy? Again, Luke tells us, he says, I bring you good news of great joy, for today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So the good news that produces great joy is a Savior has been born to you. A Savior is born to you. So there is joy because God is coming to us as Savior. There is joy because God is coming to to us, not to judge us as our sins deserve, but to save us. He is coming in grace, in mercy, in compassion as Savior. You know, Jesus came into the world not to judge the world, he said, or not to parade our sins before us, but to remove our sins, not to punish our guilt, but to forgive our guilt. God, who could so justly terrify us in wrath, against our sins, comes with good news, with love, with grace, with salvation, as our Savior. The whole human race uh, was lost and condemned without Christ, and is lost and condemned without Christ. So Luke, in this gospel, so to Luke, the writer of this gospel, the coming of Jesus into the world is the greatest event in history. It is, it is not just information, it is fantastic information. It's not just news, it is great news. It is good news of great joy. Because Jesus coming as Savior, God coming as Savior in His Son Jesus, He is the only one who is able to reconcile sinful people to God. He is God in human flesh, come to take on himself our sins. He is the only one who could save us out of the condemnation, the misery, the despair caused by our sin. And Jesus comes not only to save us from death and hell, he comes to give us or to bring us all the promised blessings of the kingdom of God. He rescues us from the kingdom of dar darkness and places us in the kingdom of light. He makes us the beloved children of God. He gives us a future. He places a future before each one of us who trusts in Him as Savior that is so grand that the only word that can describe it is glory. I mean, there, there is no higher word in the English language. There is no greater word to describe something than glorious. I mean, when you just can't, when you can't get your arms around it, when you can't get your mind around it, when it is just too good to be true, too good to describe, too good to put into words, it's glorious. 
And he has come to give you, to bring you a future so grand that it is glorious. He takes us from gloom to glory. From the gloom of sin, the gloom and misery of sin, to the glory of his salvation. And this is the good news that causes great joy. For un, the angel said, For unto you, unto you a Savior is born. To you, or for you. You know, it helps, it helps you very little unless Christ was born for you. But it says, For you a child was born. Unto you a child is given, who is Savior. This, that is, this is what makes it such good news. And I hope that each of you have put your faith in Christ so that it is that personal to you. If you have not, I invite you, I encourage you to, to do that this morning so that you can say that he is my Savior. The announcement by the angel, it says, was for all people. It was, it was, it was made to all people. It wasn't limited. This was good news for all the people. But it was made to shepherds. Interesting. You know, why did, why did God choose to send an angel to these few shepherds out on this hillside at night? I think at least a possible reason is that shepherds represent the common man. Shepherds represent the, the poor, the humble of the earth. They spent their lives watching sheep. Uh, Think of the smell, the mess, the noise, the harsh conditions of spending most of their lives out of doors. You know, from, our, from Christmas plays and nativity scenes, uh, we think of shepherds as very special people. But they were the least special people. They were the most common, the most ordinary, the lowest, the most humble. And it communicates that Jesus came and announces his, or his birth is announced with joy, and Jesus came for ordinary people, for hurting people, for people with problems, people with struggles. And Jesus said this about himself um, when he stood up in the, in the temple, and he read from Isaiah 61, The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to release prisoners from darkness, to provide for those who grieve. The message of salvation is for all people. It's for people whose hearts have been broken by this world. It's for people who are prisoners of spiritual darkness. It's for people who are prisoners of sin. It's for people who are prisoners of emotional darkness. The birth of Christ is such good news because it sets in motion our full salvation. And I want to spend just a few minutes looking uh, very quickly, kind of just an overview of all that this salvation is when it says that Christ came, is born as a Savior for you. What does that mean? I'm going to put some, just a little bit of content to it. It sets in motion our full salvation. There is joy just in the birth of Christ itself, certainly but also because his birth means that every blessing the lord uh, the every blessing the lord could possibly have is now on its way to you and the reason we can have joy is because of the of the many blessings that we possess now but also for the blessings that are headed in our direction that are headed in your direction through christ the birth of christ 
means the end of sin. He came to forgive your sins, to remove your sins, to remove them from your conscience, to remove them from your record. As it says in Romans 8, who can bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? Or where is the one who condemns? God is the one who justifies. I can't speak for you, but I can say this for myself. When I realize that I am not condemned to hell for my sins, I am greatly blessed. I am a joy-filled man. When I meditate on that, when I realize that I am not condemned to hell for my sins. And Jesus saves you not only from the guilt of your sins, but from the darkness and the misery of continuing to live in sin. John said, He who does what is sinful is of the devil. The reason the Son of God, God appeared, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin. Just to, he just told us that. Everyone, or he who does what is sinful is of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy. Or he, he appeared. The reason he appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The devil is the one who leads into sin, who holds people in the bondage of sin. And Christ came to destroy the power of sin that the devil had over us. The birth of Christ means the end of evil and injustice. Isaiah 9-7. He is the Prince of Peace, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will reign over his kingdom, establishing it with justice and righteousness forever. And I am so thankful that Christ is the Prince of Peace, that he will rule with justice and righteousness forever. He will right every wrong, every injustice he will correct and make right. The birth of Christ means the end of sorrow and grief. Isaiah said of him, surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows or carried our griefs. John wrote, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This is what was meant or this is what was promised. This is what uh, the birth of Christ portended for us. The birth of Christ means the end of all depression and despair and gloom. Isaiah 65, 13 and 14, my servants will eat, my servants will drink, my servants will rejoice, my servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts. Isaiah 51, 11, gladness and joy will overtake them, sorrow and sighing will flee away. You know, Jesus himself described heaven, uh, although in a parable, but he described heaven in this parable as entering the joy of your master. And I love the NIV on it says, come and share your master's happiness. The, the birth of Christ means the, the ultimate end of all depression, despair, and gloom. The birth of Christ means the end of sickness and death. Isaiah said he took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. 1 Corinthians 14, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Because Christ has come, because he was born into this world as Savior, he has taken away the victory of death. Death is not victorious. So the birth of Christ uh, holds forth the promise, if I could sum it all up, 
Um, there's a there's a, a a writer many many years ago called Lady Julian, and she made a statement that you know all will be well. Behold, all manner of things will be well. And I and I, and I love that. All will be well. All will be well. Behold, all manner of things will be well. And that's that it, that sums up everything. I mean, Jesus came as Savior, and I'm telling you, everything is going to turn out well because Jesus is your Savior. If he is your Savior, all things will turn out well. And if he is your Savior, all this is now in your possession or headed in your direction. And, you know, you may say, well, wait a minute, what about all that we're still waiting for, all that we haven't seen, seen yet? Well, you know what? That didn't keep the shepherds from having great joy, and it didn't keep the wise men from being overjoyed. If you think about it, they were waiting too. Uh, when the shepherds heard the, the, the news of the birth of, of Jesus, look at all that must hap- happen yet. Jesus still needed, must live out his sinless life. He still was to be crucified for our sins. He still yet must come back and take us to be with him. He still is yet to rule and reign in the new heavens and the new, new earth. And yet they were overjoyed in their fields with their sheep 2,000 years ago when they heard that Christ was born. Why? Why did they have such joy? Because joy is not only in what we have, but in what we will have. Joy is in what we hope for. You know, when we plan a trip, I get a lot of joy. I get a lot of joy just in waiting for the trip, planning for the trip, looking forward to it. And because of the baby born in the manger... Because of the birth of Jesus, you can, you can look at your life with hope and expectation and joy. Waiting for it, planning for it, looking forward to all that Jesus has purchased for you and promised for you. You can, you can just continually be looking ahead to all that is coming for you. So again I ask, though, so how can we have... How can we have joy? How can we, who have such good news, such promises, such a salvation, such a glorious future, how can we live in such despair and gloom at times? Because you cannot have joy unless you set your mind and heart upon things that produce joy. You have pain in your life. I have pain in my life. We don't deny that. We feel that. There's great misery that sin has caused in the world, in our own lives, for many of us in our own families. Uh, There is such brokenness, such disappointment, such problems, such conflict. But you can only have great joy by continually looking to the good news. You can only have joy by continually looking to the good news, the news that is great enough to produce joy that overwhelms your sorrow. And that's really the second key truth. My first key truth this morning is joy comes from joyful news. And the second key truth is that joy comes from continually looking to joyful news.
Joy in your heart comes from what you see with the eyes of your heart. People without joy do not see anything to be joyful about. And when I'm without joy, it's because I'm not seeing anything to be joyful about. The things they see with their mind give no reason for joy, only for depression and gloom. People with joy are seeing something to be joyful about. Cindy shared a quote with me, uh, which she sent to some, I think some of you ladies in the church, which I'll give, it to, I'll give you the quote in just a minute, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, the quote is this, The happiest people on earth are those who are constantly looking at joy-producing realities. I love that. Here's, here's the actual quote. It's by F.F. F. Bosworth. And he's he's talking about the eyes of faith, seeing seeing God, seeing the work of God, seeing all that God has done for us. He says, Walking by this better kind of sight is the happiest life possible on earth because of the superiority of what we are constantly beholding. The best things, joy-producing realities. Supernatural joy is always the result of using our better pair of eyes. If you don't have joy, may I be so bold as to say that the problem may be as simple as what you are looking at. And again, the happiest life possible on earth comes from the superiority of what you are constantly beholding, the best things, joy-producing realities. So how do you live in joy? Only by setting your mind on joyful news or joy-producing realities. Change the gaze of your soul to better things. Uh, In the book Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozier defined faith as the gaze of the soul. Faith is what you are looking at. Certainly you have those things that you see with your physical eyes. You know what I'm talking about. Other people, the snow, your, your kids, your TV. But then you have those things that you are looking at with the eyes of your heart. And the way to have joy is to lift up the eyes of your heart to those better things, to the joy-producing realities of the gospel. You know, we read that phrase in the Psalms frequently. I will lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. Psalm 25.1, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I mean, these are figurative ways of saying, I will change my attention from earthly things to heavenly things. These these are figurative ways of saying, "I I will change my attention from earthly things that produce despair to, I will lift up my eyes to heavenly things that are joy-producing realities. And you know, we, we can see the way this works even with what I call small joys in life. You know, a, a great cup of coffee, uh, something cute or adorable one of your kids or grandkids says, uh, a beautiful warm day, uh, a big win by your favorite sports team. You know, things, small things that cheer or encourage. And, but, but these are small things. They're things that last only for a moment. Uh, yet it's amazing how either you know, positive or happy a person can be 
who keeps themselves focused on these small things. And I think we should do that. I mean, Paul says, think on things that are good, that are worthy of praise. Think about things that are, that are lovely. But these kind of small things, they don't change anything eternal. They don't save your soul from death. They don't rescue you from hell. They do not make you right with God. They do not deliver you from the wickedness uh, and tyranny of your own sin. Uh, they do not usher you into the presence of God. They do not give you peace with God. Uh, yet even by, by focusing on them, you will have more joy. But only the gospel, only the good news of Christ as Savior is big enough to overwhelm the things in this life, the real broken things in your life. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that does save your soul from death. It does rescue you from hell. It does make you right with God. It does deliver you from the wretchedness and the tyranny of your own sin. It does usher you into the presence of God. It does give you peace with God. Small joys will work for small problems, but not for the problems of real life. As, as Julie Andrews sang, uh, when the dog bites, when the bee stings, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel so bad. You know, that, that's a great approach for dog bites and bee stings. But what about the problems of sin and death and spiritual darkness, broken relationships, with God and others. Only the joy of the gospel will work for real life-sized problems. The birth of Christ gives us joy that is so big that it allowed Paul and Silas to sing hymns in prison, to sing hymns of praise to God in prison after having their backs ripped open from being flogged. It is a joy that is so big that the writers of Scripture, the apostles, tell us that we can rejoice even in our sufferings because we, have, we exalt in God. We exalt in our salvation. We rejoice in Christ. And it is a joy that is so big that we can rejoice even in our sufferings. So what is it that is keeping you from having great joy? Uh, it may be that you are a Christian who has not turned the gaze of your soul upon joy-producing realities. Uh, maybe that, that that has not become the, the, the habit, the pattern of your life. And, you know, there's practical ways you, you, you do that. It's, I mean, it's, it's something you have to want to do. Uh, we do that through the Scriptures. Uh, it's a reason that we gather here on Sunday morning, you know, so, to, to, to lift our eyes to joy-producing realities of Christ and His salvation. But it may be that there are some here who have uh, never really personally believed the message about Christ. In Isaiah 53, um, Isaiah spoke of Jesus coming, being born. Certainly, we've, we've read some of those passages. Um, Isaiah spoke of Jesus saying that he would take up our infirmities, carry away our sorrows. Uh, speaks of prophetically, he was pierced through, our, through for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us to our own way, 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What great news. But you know what? Isaiah begins that chapter by saying, Lord, who has believed our message? This message of great joy, this message of salvation, this message of release from sins, relief, release from griefs and sorrows, from the punishment we deserve, this great news, this, this joy-producing news, but Isaiah said, who has believed it? It was like he felt it was mostly disregarded. And I think that is clearly the reason why there is lack of joy where there is. We have, we have the joy-producing news. We need to look upon it. And there may be some here this morning who have never looked upon it for the first time. Maybe there is some, someone here this morning who's never believed the message about Jesus and trusted him and looked to him as Savior. Um, and I invite and encourage you to do that this morning. I would love to talk with you afterwards. Come down here, talk with me, some of the other people that you've seen uh, up front, maybe someone that, that you know here at church. So those of you who want joy, come to the birth of Christ and look at this good news that causes great joy. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we ask you this morning, and 